0: good morning everyone i hope you're doing all right welcome to season four and thank you all so so much for being here this morning honestly it's such a buzz it's such a privilege um the reaction to this season has been ridiculous but in the most positive of senses um so before we get going on season four i just want to take a moment to say thank you for being part of it Thank you for being part of the most phenomenally lovely group of marketers I've ever had the privilege of meeting before. And uh, I'm going to be doubling down on making sure that these sessions are unbelievable for you. And uh, my only ask is that you keep coming, keep turning up and uh, keep enjoying our sessions and being as lovely as you are. Um, it really makes such a difference and it's such a pleasure to, to to be sharing these experiences with you each week um so please do drop in the chat where you're watching from this morning i can already see that there's a bunch of people uh already saying hello um and (laughs) dancing along to the theme tune from from york to norway to london to surrey uh and across the world as well and oscar's already flipped his camera and like it makes (laughs) such a difference as an experience too uh on that on the chat feature, don't forget to switch uh, your your chat messages to all panelists and attendees. So the way that you can do that is if you open up your chat feature, you can see on the right hand side, there's a little blue bit thing that says uh, to and then panelists. Click that and switch it to panelists and attendees, and then everyone can see your messages uh, as we can see them coming through right now with Belgium and Brisbane and the Highbury. Uh, unbelievable. Thank you all so much for being here. In my eyes, today will be a success if we hit three points. Uh, The first is that the content gives you something different to think about, perhaps it will change your perspective. Uh, The second, the chat feature remains alive as it is right now with messages from Barcelona as well, which is unbelievable, Uh, with every one of you listening, saying hello, and being positively lovely. Which means to say that today is a team effort, as much as Oscar and I will be doing our best to entertain, to educate, and to bring you a really nice time, then it's a real team effort between all of us to make this session, this hour, really worth our while and uh, something we can all enjoy. Uh, The third thing that will make today a success is that you share it. If you enjoy today's session, then please do take the opportunity to share it afterwards. Um, It makes a difference to Oscar to know that he's resonated with you, but it also makes a huge difference to the marketing meetup community that we're able to bring fresh people into the community, get a diversity of opinions uh, and and, uh, hearing all sorts of people from around the world. Uh, So please do share today's session as well. So I hope you're up for that challenge. So let me get on with the introduction of today's speaker. And what a speaker it is. Today, I'm just absolutely thrilled to absolute tiny little pieces to have Oscar Tremoli speaking with us today. Uh, Oscar is a man on a quest uh, to create a hundred million deep listeners in the world. Oscar's an author, is a host of the Apple award-winning podcast, Deep Listening, and he's a worldwide known speaker on the topic of listening. Something I find interesting about Oscar's approach is that he focuses on uh, the commercial cost of not listening, uh, working with companies like Google, Salesforce, American Express, and loads, loads more. However, on a more personal level, uh, I first interacted with Oscar first time through the marketing academy, and he blew my little brain to smithereens uh, with with his talk uh, all about the uh, the other half of communication. I thought after watching that um, that I knew a, a positively lovely bunch of people who would also benefit from his message, and therefore I'm thrilled to bits to be sharing it uh, this hour with you today. Today will be. Uh, have elements of presentation it'll have elements of chat it's just going to be a really really nice time. Uh, If you've got any questions make sure to pop your questions in the Q&A feature uh, and you can find that by uh, wiggling your mouse and finding that below. I love seeing these results come through as well by the way Uh, it's really really great uh, to see that everyone's engaged before today's session so thank you all for doing that as well. Uh, the last thing I want to do before um, we, we launch in today's session is thank our sponsors, uh, all of whom support them, our community and enable us to do what we do. Today's featured sponsor is Impression. Uh, they're an agency based in Nottingham. They uh, actually run by an old school friend, uh, back in the place where neither of us could have expected to be sat right here, right now. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a funny old school. Um, but in any case, they, they specialize in uh, PPC, SEO, uh, CRO, and all sorts of things. So um, please do take the time to say thank you to Aaron, who is about six foot seven, six foot eight, he's huge. And just say thank you to him on, on LinkedIn for supporting our community. There's also a big thank you to uh Geosk, Con- Content Cal, Pitch, Fiverr, Redgate, Cambridge Master College, Brand, Gravity Global, and Third Light. Uh, they are the most lovely bunch of partners that uh, I could ever ask for. So please do take a moment to say thank you. So that's my introduction over. Um, Oscar, it's such a thrill to have you here. It's such a thrill to see everyone already interacting with your work. Um, Thank you for being here and welcome.
1: G'day, Joe, and thanks for inviting me into this powerful community. When you're on a quest to create a hundred million deep listeners in the world, I thought I could do it all by myself by listening. The irony, Joe, is I've had to learn how to speak. Mm. to get to my quest 100 million (laughs) listeners in the world so there's so much paradox in all the work i do but i'm curious for you you've Mm. had a big life change Mm. annie's come along your new baby daughter i'm (laughs) curious what annie's taught you about listening
0: oh my god (laughs) that's such a good question um i think it's interesting isn't it so I guess on the on the very surface level then it's quite clear that like there's different kinds of cries you know so there's different moments where like she's like I'm hungry or I'm tired you know so actually even though she's not using words she is communicating both through her uh, body language and also sort of different kinds of cries so I guess there's a communication there that goes beyond words that uh, I don't think I'd appreciate it until you asked me that question right now. <laughs> so that's probably the starting off point. And then there's probably a second lesson in, in patience as well. Um, because when you've got all this sensory awareness going on around you, then uh, to actually sort of slow down and actually listen to what's going on, rather than sort of have that sensory overload sometimes. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that's a big thing too.
1: And how Annie made you a better listener at work?
0: Oh, blimey. Um, I, I think probably the latter lesson that I spoke about there with, with the patients is, is probably th- more relevant for me, or, or certainly I, re- I reflect on it being more relevant, um, in my working life. Um, that being said, and again, I'm, I'm probably learning on the call here right now, then, uh, <laughs> then there's probably an appreciation that, you know, communication comes from more than words, um. Which I hadn't really thought about thought about before. So, we're doing a little bit of counselling here as well.
1: <laughs> counselling? Oh no, definitely not a counsellor. Um, uh, like we're going to do a lot of myth busting today. Too many people think that listening is about listening through hearing and and just listening to the to the words. But when you hear emotion, you mentioned it before. When you listen to cries, you can hear about crying on a completely different level you can listen while you sleep Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've noticed that as well despite the fact you're probably sleep deprived at the
0: moment
1: (laughs) or at least you think you are it could get it could get a heck of a lot worse but i've seen annie a couple of times and you've been pretty blessed i think she's uh she's got a great set of parents and she's feeling really loved in the world here's a random piece of trivia that uh annie at 22 weeks could distinguish her mother's voice inside your wife's tummy.
0: Wow. Wow. At Isn't
1: 22 it... weeks, you can distinguish your mother's voice from any other sound. And then at 34 weeks, you can distinguish Beethoven from Bon Jovi, from the Beatles and Justin Bieber. Wow. And the minute we come into the world, Joe, we come into the world kicking and screaming, thinking the only way we can be noticed is by speaking, is by speaking loudly, is by speaking influentially. And yet, communication is 50% speaking and 50% listening. And we get really, really frustrated when people don't listen to us. So I'll be curious uh, what's one thing for everyone who's online right now? What's one thing that really frustrates you? when other people don't listen to you? What's one thing that really frustrates you when other people don't listen to you? Pop that in the chat. I'm, I'm curious to see what people have written here, Joe. Have you had a chance to have a look at what other people have said here, Joe? It's, uh, so we, we, it's yeah. a, There's a really interesting comment here. Someone from Brazil, um, particularly in South America and in uh, Eastern Europe, talking over the top of each other is... Uh, not considered interrupting but a sign of a really good relationship Um, so we have to be careful when we think about interrupting across cultures uh, because if you're in a really good relationship with someone from brazil um, talking over the top is a sign of friendship and uh, so for i wasn't sure if that was a man or a woman but obrigada obrigado whoever that was who mentioned that from brazil but One of the things I want you to notice while you're looking through the chat and you can become completely distracted. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to give everybody a chance to scroll back through the chat window because it's lit up like a fire hose right now. And for those of you who are the dramatic listener or the lost listener, you're completely confused. So I'm going to pause and ask you just to scroll back two, three screens, just read what's in there. I'll tell you why in a moment. So I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna give you a minute, just scroll back through and see what frustrates other people. Have a little giggle if that's what you do or have a little giggle if that's the one that frustrates you the most. I'm gonna do the exercise together with you as well, mm-hmm. okay. So please take the time to do this because what we're doing now is we're role modeling listening across the group. There's so much more power in this group around listening if we listen to all of us rather than merely listening to a guy from the other side of the world talk about listening. So one of the first things I want to point out, do you host a meeting? Whether that's face-to-face or online, one of the things you want to do is engage the group as early as possible and understand what's in their way. Myth number two with regard to listening, Joe, is everybody thinks it's your job as a listener to make sense of what the speaker's saying. I'm going to show you why it doesn't matter to make sense of what the person's saying. You actually have to listen to what they're not saying. And we'll talk about the neuroscience of listening, because there's a differential between my talking speed and your listening speed. There's also a differential between my talking speed and my thinking speed as well. So for many of us, we would have read the comments. And the first thing I want you to become aware of is your listening filters. For many of you, you would have looked at the comments there and you would have looked for similarities. You would have looked for the familiar. You would have looked for the things that are common to your experience. That's listening for similarities. Some of you may have been reading and listening for differences. You may have been looking for distinctions, the unfamiliar. You may have been listening, reading a little differently. So, what I'd love you to do right now. Put the letter D if you were looking for difference or put the letter S if you were looking for similarities. Pop that in the chat box. I'd be curious to see where this group is at. We've done this exercise all around the world and there's one consistent theme here.
0: It's, uh, from what I can see through a very, very quick moving.
1: <laughs> yes, but it's SSS, isn't it, Joe? We've got a predominance of S A little bit of D. And what I want everyone to be aware of, S or D, similarities or differences, neither is right or wrong, by the way. It's what's appropriate for the situation. Now, when you're new to an environment, you're new to a team, if you're educated in the West, you actually have been educated from primary school to high school to college to university and all the way through to listen and read for similarities. It's actually baked into the pedagogy of Western education systems. But if you're fortunate and weren't trained there, maybe you're from South America, maybe you're from Asia, maybe you're from Eastern Europe, where this isn't baked in, you may have some mental flexibility. If all you do is listen for similarities, that can be a problem. That's like trying to run a race with just your left leg or just your right leg. You just go around in circles. There are going to be times where you need to listen for differences as well. And as leaders in a room, particularly if you're in any marketing profession, you need to play a very important role. You need to listen for similarities and you need to listen for differences because you're the bridge between finance, operations, customer care, and people who own their own businesses. So one of the first things you want to become conscious of is we have some biases when it comes to our listening, and it's not. Oh, I throw my hands in the air. I just listen for similarities. By the way, Joe, which one were you?
0: I was probably listening for similarities rather or reading yeah.
1: similarities. And when do you think that's unproductive for you versus productive?
0: Certainly, in the times where folks uh, do have a, a difference have been in fact, probably more relevantly actually, um, something that I caught myself doing quite often would be to um, being a dramatic listener um, would be <laughs> to to hear something that somebody has said and try and relate to them by sort of recounting a story um, in, a, in a way that felt like you know, I've listened to you and I'm going to tell you a personal experience of something quite similar to that. And when I caught myself doing that, I absolutely hated it. But, um, but, but but I guess the point is there that um, I would try and find a minutiae within their statements, uh, and then relate to that rather than listening to the entirety of, of the statement.
1: Yeah, would you like to know who's in the room, Joe? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes. I'd be very interested.
1: So here, thank you to everybody who took the quiz. This is what this group looks like. Um, very big group of people who are kind of lost. They're distracted very easily. Uh, you might turn up to meetings and not sure why you should be there or why that's part of your agenda. Um, people will say you look vague. People say they're not sure what your contribution is when it comes to being a lost listener. And the other thing that lost listeners get distracted by is electronic devices. So when it comes to listening, if you're down as the lost listener, uh, switch your notifications off, whether you're on a Mac or a PC, whether you're on an Android or an iPhone, there's one button in the system settings where you can switch the notifications off. Whether that's a Slack channel, an email, a WhatsApp, there is no shortage of drugs that you're looking to inject in the dopamine system in your mind, because those little red dots and those extra things mean that people want to talk to you. Use the technology, don't let the technology use you. The psychology behind apps, red colored dots with numbers in them, Joe, was all developed by the slot machine, the poker machine industry in Las Vegas. And that same bit of research that's used to make sure that people just kept pressing the button and putting their money in, it's the same research that gets you to scroll and scroll and scroll, respond automatically when somebody sends you a Slack or a WhatsApp. So for those of you who are those listeners that are lost, the simplest thing you can do switch your notifications off on a Mac. It's got a beautiful setting. You can switch your notifications off when you're in a meeting. Tip number two is drink a glass of water. Drink a glass of water every 30 minutes. And then if you're the lost listener, tip number three, take three deep breaths before you come into a conversation or if you notice you're lost in a conversation here's a great question you can ask if you're the lost listener and you turn up at the beginning of the meeting one of the questions you want to ask the host is what's your expectation of me during this meeting it's a really good grounding question because a lot of times the host hasn't even thought about it but because you have you'll have a much different interaction during the meeting they will listen to you much more differently than they will without you asking that question. So the question again is what's your expectation of me in this meeting? Now, when it comes to the next villain, Joe, the (laughs) villain of listening that comes up next in this group is interrupting. And I, I think this shows up a lot with people who are really focused on productivity and time. Their primary orientation is to get there quicker. The interrupting listening villain is like the quiz show contestant that presses the buzzer too early, anticipates what the host is going to say, only to discover that despite the fact they've pressed the buzzer early, they're answering the wrong question. Now, there is a time to interrupt. And I'll explain to you a little bit later about how to elegantly interrupt somebody that's getting repetitive but for many of you if you're the interrupting listening villain this is all you need to practice you need to practice one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand in your mind don't say it out loud otherwise i think you're a little bit crazy (laughs) (laughs) now if you are the interrupting listening villain and one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand doesn't work for you just bite your tongue while you're doing it and with each count Just bite down a little harder on your tongue and you will certainly stop when it comes to your interruption as well. Now, maybe not everybody, Joe, had a chance to take the quiz. If they haven't, um, you can grab your phone or you can follow this URL and uh, you can follow the QR code and take the quiz right now as well. When it comes to our listening, the next villain of listening that kind of shows up in this group is the villain known as the shrewd, the shrewd listener. This is disproportionately represented in support functions, IT, finance, and marketing. What it means is you think you know the question they're going to ask before they finish asking it, and you're already problem solving. But they can see the cogs going on in your mind, Joe and uh, they're getting a little frustrated because if there was closed captioning sitting below me, and by the way, I'm a shrewd listener, and uh, it would say, oh, my goodness, I did a master's degree, and this is the problem you're bringing to me? I'm such an expert. You, I cannot believe you're bringing me something so basic. But while you're not listening to them, You're not listening to the inflection in their voice. You're not hearing the emotion. You're not understanding the context. You're not understanding the systemic implications and the commercial implications of what they're saying because you're too busy solving a problem. You're giving a prescription to a diagnosis the patient even hasn't brought to you. And for many of us, we get frustrated with these people because they give us great listening. Joe, have you ever met this person? Mm, Yeah, wow. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. But all they're thinking is, oh, get on with it because I can solve this and I can think about three problems you haven't even thought about yet. Can anybody relate to that? Has anybody got a boss like that? Has anybody got a client like that? Pop that in the chat. Can anybody relate to the shrewd listening villain? By the way, disproportionately represented in the sales profession, disproportionately represented in the accounting profession, disproportionately represented in market research medicine. Disproportionately represented in IT, risk management, and any function that supports people who are doing things like customer care. Now, Joe, you added yourself earlier on. Mm-hmm. Your first villain
0: was. It was the dramatic listener?
1: And can you remember your secondary? Shrewd. <laughs> shrewd. How does shrewd show up for you? I,
0: it's interesting. So I, I, I like to think. <laughs> the problem with these things is you end up questioning yourself, don't
1: you? No, no, stop it. Just answer, answer the question. <laughs> yeah,
0: I like to think that I, uh, I, I'm. I think I'm. I over-index on dramatic because I like to think that I do my best to to listen uh, to to the whole to the whole sort of scenario um, as yeah. much as I can um so with the shrewd I, I wouldn't necessarily identify myself as a, a problem solver before I know the thing but I would definitely say <laughs> and I'm really outing myself here that you know I I, I like to think I'm good at what I do uh, yeah. and therefore probably do spend quite a lot of time thinking okay you know what I can I can answer this you know and I, I know I know the answer here so uh Not so much trying to rush them along but certainly okay i know the answer here so you don't need to continue
1: Yeah, and it stops us from asking the next really curious question and for dramatic listeners what you value is human connection and where you struggle with the distinction between sympathy and empathy so if you've scored high on dramatic and by the way i think labels are really good on food jars and pharmaceutical products We are labelling your listening behaviour, not you as a person. You're so much more than just what the listening villain behaviour is. So when it comes to the dramatic listener, the dramatic listener is listening for connection. But unfortunately, how it's interpreted by the speaker, they make it all about them. You're like somebody who's been sitting in a stage show and listening to the conversation from the seats and then all of a sudden you jump up onto stage and you want to be an actor on the stage. And sometimes you want to be in the spotlight on stage as well. So just be careful when you're thinking about the world through the lens of sympathy versus empathy. Empathy is, I acknowledge that can be tough for you. The sympathy is, oh, I can remember a time when it was tough for me too. And, and for many of us, we just need to stay in the first rather than the second. Now, Joe, there's a couple of great questions in the Q&A. Should we spend a little time in the Q&A panel?
0: Absolutely, 100%.
1: I think that'd be some good role modeling or listening right now. <laughs> in, in the Q&A panel for everybody who's watching, um, put a plus one, let's get some voting coming in. Where would you like me to focus my time? And this is a way of role modeling, listening at a system-wide context for the whole audience. So should we focus on, well, I'll I'll pause and wait for the votes to come in and then Joe, I will leave it in your capable hands and you can guide me on which one you think we should be going Now, nice. hey, Joe, what's it like with a crazy man from Australia who's using the chat and getting the audience <laughs> interacting? Honestly. It's kind of crazy. It's like it's all going around like uh, fireworks on Guy Fawkes Day for you. Isn't
0: it? <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's, um, it's really wonderful to
1: get. All right. Well, I, I'm going to give you some think time, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk with a group. So you can't listen to this right now. <laughs> so for the rest of us, while Joe's figuring this out, I want you to notice this. Right now, are you giving attention or are you paying attention? Giving attention feels like curiosity, generosity. Really wanna understand a little bit more. Paying attention feels like it's your duty. It feels like it's something you have to do. It feels like taxation. It feels like something you have to endure. So right now in the chat, just put paying, Or giving? Are you giving or paying attention right now? I'll be really curious. Pop that in the chat. Let's see how you're going. By the way, as you will learn shortly, neither is right or wrong. It's what's appropriate for the moment. You can't give me attention for the balance of our time together. You can listen continuously for 12 seconds. That's what neuroscience tells us. You can listen continuously for 12 seconds. And that will explain why many of us are distracted. By the way, sometimes you can give attention in one moment and then you can pay attention in another. If all you do is give attention, your listening batteries get really drained and it's difficult to stay in the moment. Welcome back, Joe. Hey. What are we we going with?
0: (laughs) So could could I give you uh, two or three and then you could choose which one is the uh, the, the one uh, you think will be
1: <laughs> no, 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 Joe, you need to own this. Seven to your greatness.
0: I love this. He's got. A, yeah, I love this. Well, so the, the, the top rated question by far, um, and I'm sure that there's a lot we can unpack here. Uh, is a question from Katie. And and Katie asks, uh, do the listening villains differ based on gender? As a female, I often feel that I am interrupted by male colleagues, but wonder if this is more a reflection of my personal situation. So uh, that that has been the top rated thing by the community. And uh, I think there's no doubt a lot to unpack there.
1: It's huge. And there's uh, some really scattered research around gender-based listening and i it's the number one question i get asked on radio tv and podcast interviews that's the number one thing everybody wants to know and i often say generically as a huge stereotype people label females differently to men in the way they listen now this is a huge stereotype and people say women listen to feel men listen to fix so since the 1960s there has been gender-based listening research and there is no statistical difference in the way men and women listen okay so it's 1960s 1970s 1980s 1990s the noughties the tens and even the twenties i can point to various levels of research that says yes There are differences in the way genders listen, but it's not statistically significant enough to universalize it all. What we know, so we've had eight and a half thousand people, Joe, do the listening quiz. Women slightly overrepresented in the dramatic, which is listening for emotion. So there's a correlation there to the other research. And yes, men are overly represented in the shrewd and the interrupting. But we also have data at a professional level. We also have data at an age group level. We also have data at a country level. And there is variations across cultures in the way people listen. But the most important thing, Katie, is to know this. Listening is situational, it's relational, and it's contextual. You'll listen differently to your boss than you will a co-worker. You'll listen differently to a parent than you will a police officer. Listen to an accountant, an actuary. I listen completely differently at work compared to how I listen at home. Now, it would be remiss of me not to come to Katie's specific question Do men interrupt women more? We have a piece of language called mansplaining that talks to this specific phenomenon where men think that they can answer something better than a woman can and they're completely misguided men what i would say to a lot of men is uh, men predominantly listen to fix anything they will consistently listen through the lens of how can i fix this problem and in most cases that is not the role of listening listening is the willingness to have your mind changed but listening Is a dirty little secret of listening that most people don't know. I'm going to whisper it so not everyone can hear it okay, Mm Joe. It's not your job to make sense of what they're saying. Okay? As a listener, it's not your job to make sense of what they're saying. Your job as a listener is to help them make sense of what they're thinking. Now, when you think about the best teacher you've ever had in your life, from school days, the one you remember the most is the one who listened not to what you were focused on, but they were listening for your fears and your future. They were listening for what you mean rather than what you say. So, Joe, if it's okay, we're going to take a little commercial break from neuroscience to explain this phenomenon. But I want to check first, if we answered Katie's question. And Katie, feel free to I don't know how this uh, wonderful technology works. Maybe you want to put something extra in the chat. Is there anything you want me to go over? Because a lot of people ask this question. Okay. So, generically, statistically, yes, men and women listen differently. Women will listen much better and more effective at listening in an empathetic way than their male counterpart.
0: Amazing. We've got, we've got- men
1: will, will listen in a problem solving orientation. Now, there are times where both of those are appropriate, but if you're not conscious of what your orientation is, you'll turn up to a problem with a hammer and think everything's a nail.
0: We've got um, confirmation from Katie here. She says, yes, thank you. And she says that she's a scientist by training, so loving all the science facts to back up your points too. (laughs) (laughs) Actually,
1: (laughs) Katie I spent three years getting a valid data model working with data scientists and market researchers because version one two and three of the quiz were wacky way out of I know too much about r squared and what that means for uh, correlation and I know correlation doesn't equal causation so let's just Joe if we've answered that question I do want to dial everyone into a little bit of neuroscience of listening
0: absolutely sounds great
1: Okay, so the first piece of neuroscience is this: I speak at 125 words a minute, and you can listen at 400 words a minute. If I'm a horse race caller or I'm a cattle yard auctioneer or a real estate agent, I can talk at about 200 words per minute, and you can still understand everything I'm saying. Right? If I'm blind, I can listen to podcasts and audiobooks at up to three times speed, and still retain complete comprehension. Now. Many of you in the audience know this phenomenon already because you listen to podcasts and YouTube channels, uh, maybe even mandatory compliance training inside your big intergalactic corporation at two times speed, so you want to get through it quicker. Hey, give me a thumbs up or a plus one in the chat if you put your audio speed up to go even faster. This proves the neuroscience of listening. All right, Joe, I'm just going to hang out in the chat here and see everyone's guilty, guilty sometimes. No, but I will now. <laughs> All right, Jess, go for it. Never even knew that was an option. So if you are familiar with the accent or you know the speaker, you can even go higher. So you can go 2x, 2.5x. By the way, if you listen to podcasts uh, not uh, on an on a Apple versus an Android, just get one of the free listen, um, podcast apps And because Apple only lets you go to about 1.5 or two times speed, I I can listen to some podcasts where accents and speakers I know at 2.5 still have complete comprehension. Now, I don't recommend you do it all the time. Now, Joe, here's a funny little fact. You can listen while you sleep, not here, but you can listen. That's why you can hear a different cry from your daughter while you're asleep. You just wish you had some sleep right now, don't you?
0: (laughs) That I do. That I do, my friend. All
1: right. So, so let's come back to the neuroscience. If I speak at one hundred and twenty-five words a minute, you can listen at four hundred. So you can listen four times faster than what I can speak. Now, if you're trying to dial into my accent, maybe I have a disjointed way of speaking, maybe because I'm Australian. You know, maybe you can listen to me at three hundred words per minute. But what it means is neurologically, you are programmed to be distracted because I can't speak as fast as you can listen. And people say to me, Oscar, how do I not get distracted? And my answer always is you never will not be distracted. You will always be distracted. The difference between you and me, though, is I notice that I'm distracted much quicker than you. So earlier on, we talked about Annie and sleep, and you may have been drifting off thinking, Oh my God, I wish I got some more sleep because this guy is so boring. I wish I would have had my morning coffee. I wish I would have had more coffee. I can't believe I'm using my time with him right now, and you're drifting off. The difference between a deep listener and a distracted listener is they notice quicker when they're out of the conversation. So just knowing that you will be distracted, is a wonderful piece of armour when it comes to listening. Now, here's the second part of neuroscience. But before I do, Joe, mm. you got any questions about the neuroscience of me speaking and you listening?
0: I'll, uh, I'll revert to the community. But um, I, I think that, I mean, it's a fascinating, there's a couple of fascinating points that I just wanted to sort of highlight, which has sort of made me go like this already. Um, mm. I don't know. Well, whether, go this is me being a dramatic listener or not I don't know but um I love the quote here that your job as a listener is to help someone understand what they're thinking I think that's that's really qu- quite wonderful and I think there's also a great amount of forgiveness that you've enabled the community to to sort of have here which is about um enabling ourselves to be distracted and it's almost like the in, in the gym analogy it's almost like the reps and sets you know that you sort of like um you 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 by giving yourself that forgiveness to be distracted you're able to then uh, return to that place quicker and the presumably the more you notice the quicker you can get back and over the course of time you indeed become like a better listener um there was a a question here from victoria um oscar said listening is situational um relational and what was the third
1: it was contextual contextual
0: right. yeah Fabulous.
1: So you can be listening to someone who's in this similar relationship to you, but the context is completely different. All right. I'm going to out myself, Joe. Sunday lunchtimes at our house, every Sunday, family comes over, including in-laws. I've got two brothers, uh, brother-in-laws that come over, right? Mm -hmm. And every Sunday they bang on about religion. They go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about religion. The religion that just at opposites on religion. One's the religion of canon and the other religion of Nikon. They can bang on about the religion (laughs) of photography forever. (laughs) And I and I'm just like, you know, they're talking about F-stops and manual settings and ISOs and I know you understand that, Joe. Look at your beautiful setup. But I have no idea. I'm completely lost. And I choose to be, Joe. It's like, wake me up when we get to the food. Mm -hmm. And occasionally, they're very generous. And they say, what do you think, Oscar? And I kind of go, let me check my phone because that's my camera. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have they got T-shirts made, matching T-shirts that says, everybody thinks they're an expert till they switch to manual. Now, I don't know if you've got any brother-in-laws like that, Joe, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to, to go through life, listening to these religious debates uh, go on. So, so let's remember the first bit of neuroscience. There's number one, I'm going to speak way slower than you can listen. Now, here's the flip side, the speaker's view of the neuroscience. If we're okay, we're going to go on to that. Mm -hmm. As a speaker, I can speak at 125 words a minute, but I can think at 900. Now, if you're dealing with contexts that are collaborative, constrained, creative, marketing is a beautiful example of those kinds of environments, you may be thinking it up to 1600 words per minute. And this comes back to the note you made, Joe. Mm. The note you made was, it's not my job to make sense of what they're saying because the likelihood that what they say is what they mean the first time is 11%. Mm. So 125 divided by 900 is 11%. Now, if you're thinking at 1,600 words, collaborative, constrained, creative situations, you're thinking at 1600. So the likelihood the first thing you say is what you mean is only 5%. So that's why you should not listen to your manager, you should not listen to your client, you should not listen to a coworker to what they say the first time because what they say the first time is rarely what they mean. Here's how you figure it out. Have you ever, Joe, you can be my proxy on this. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody goes, well, actually, you know what we should talk about? Or they'll say, hmm, now that I think about it a little longer, oh, I didn't realize oh, there's an important part of this project I haven't even spoken about. Mm, Joe, now that I think about it, you know what? We don't we, we don't even have the budget for this. <laughs> Joe, Joe, you know what? Now that I think about it, I've I haven't even briefed my boss. Hmm. Joe, you know what? Now that I think about it, I haven't even gone and spoken to finance or customer service. I haven't even spoken to the business owner. (laughs) (laughs) And and sometimes i just take a deep breath in and just try and gather their thoughts. Hmm. Now, here's the code word you want to listen for, Joe. When they say the word actually, they go actually that's a signal for you that they're starting to think about what they mean rather than what they just said. And one of the questions in the chat box, Joe, is, is your listening impacted by the way the speaker speaks? Absolutely. And one of your jobs as a listener is not to be a therapist. Your job as a listener in the workplace is to commercially listen and you have to listen more like a book editor somebody who takes lots and lots of words and makes sense of it for the writer. And it's your job as the listener to be the editor for them, to get them to compress those words to what they actually mean. So I want to share three powerful questions you can ask them to start to listen to what they think rather than what they say the first time. Would you be interested in those three yeah
0: sure. absolutely 100
1: okay right so before i do i want to tell you this story that comes to us from cincinnati ohio and a friend of mine jennifer she is a, a former primary school teacher and she told me this story about her son christopher and christopher was coming home from school at the age of six and jennifer had six six kids. And so she was being a mum at home. Christopher came home and Jen asked her, what did you learn today at school, honey? And Christopher kind of skipped in, very enthusiastic, very excited. Six years, Annie will be doing this. Don't worry, Joe. And Christopher said to his mum, mummy, mummy, I'm so excited. I learned about maths today she said great what did you learn Christopher and he said I learned today that three three is half of eight and Jen thought oh maybe I didn't hear him right sorry Christopher honey could you say that again what three is yeah mommy mommy we learned that three is half of eight and Jen she puts her hands in her head <sighs> what are they teaching kids at school today I'm a kindergarten teacher. Even I know that four is half of eight, not three. So she goes to the cupboard and she pulls out some M&Ms and lines up four M&Ms and then four M&Ms again, Joe, in a row. And she says, Christopher, honey, come up here. And she picks him up and puts him and he's standing on the kitchen table. And like little soldiers, these M&Ms are lined up and Jen explains to her six-year-old son. "Is four is four. Honey, four, not three, is half of eight. And Christopher just launches himself off the table, goes and grabs a piece of paper, and he draws the figure eight. He says, look, mummy, I'm going to show you that three is half of eight. So grab the piece of paper. He folds it in half, Mm -hmm. and then he folds it in half again. And then he tore it in half. And he said, look, mum, three is half of eight. Three is half of eight. Now, I did a really bad job of tearing that three in half. <laughs> but here's the thing. Most of us are so fixated in telling everybody that they're wrong and saying that four is half of eight. We forget that three is half of eight if we listen carefully to what people mean rather than what they say. Now, for bonus points, Joe, Mm -hmm. do you know that zero is also half of eight?
0: In the middle.
1: Exactly. So you fold it the other way. But too many of us have conversations in the workplace where we want to be bright. We come from a professional background where four is half of eight. Mm -hmm. And they come from a different professional background where three is half of eight or zero is half of eight. Here's the backstory. story. Christopher is autistic. Christopher is now a bug catcher for Amazon. He's one of their most sophisticated bug trackers in the world. And he's only 17 years old. And because his mum was able to listen in that moment, she realized that her son was incredibly creative and well advanced for his years. How many of you are guilty of thinking that four is half of eight because you're too busy listening through your own listening filter? This is what I mean about listening to what people mean rather than what they say. So here's those three quotes. These three questions you can ask people to understand what they mean rather than what they say, would that be useful for you, Joe? Or do we want to check in on some of the chat going on here as well?
0: We need need those three questions. I think uh, we've got people saying questions, please, please, please.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. I thought you meant an epidemiologist bud bud catcher listening through my own filter. Thanks, Sophie. Beautiful example that I'm going to steal now and use in every other interview that I do with people. Beautiful example of a listening filter when I say bug catcher. (laughs) Okay. So remember, if you use these three phrases, people are going to breathe in. They're going to sigh. You'll notice their spine becomes erect and their body posture changes completely because people call it the aha moment. They call it the light bulb moment. They call it that moment of insight. So here are the three questions. But before I do, Joe, the one thing I want you to know is this. Linguists will tell us that questions for more than eight words are biased. So the shorter your question, the more potent it will be. Okay, so if you ask a question that's more than eight words, it's likely to be a statement, not a question, which means you're coming from your frame of reference, not theirs. So we want to use linguistically neutral questions. Here are the three questions. Are you ready, Joe? I'm not going to make you wait any longer. <laughs> promise you.
0: There's a comment here from Kelsey who says, Oscar really has us on the edge of our seats.
1: <laughs> so uh, number one, three, letter, uh, three words, tell me more. Tell me more. When you say, tell me more, they'll go into finding another 125 words out in their mind. Tell me more. Now, don't say it repetitively three times in a row because they'll just think you're not paying attention. Do you mind telling me more? Would you like to tell me more? Hmm. Say more. That is the first phrase. The next one and what else and what else and what else have you explored what other options did you explore hmm i'd love to hear what else make it your own tell me more and what else now the third one is really powerful be careful they say a surgeon who has a scalpel can save a life and a butcher with a scalpel can take a life. So be careful with this phrase. This is the shortest phrase of all, and yet it's the most potent phrase of all. When you listen at level four, you're listening for what's unsaid. That's what Yoda would say. People keep sending me Yoda, Joe. This, look at this one, I got this one a couple of weeks ago, like I got all these little small ones but they sent me these big ones.
0: That's the screenshot anyway. for the event, that's the screenshot right is there. Is it? Is that
1: the one? <laughs> that's All it. right, so if, if, if Yoda was here he'd say listen for what's unsaid and many of us struggle to listen just to what's said, little and what isn't said. Here it is, here's the power phrase. Use this carefully because if you use this well, people have a moment of insight. And if you use it poorly, it feels like intimidation. It's the shortest of all, so listen carefully. Here we go. Now, don't worry, my screen didn't freeze. There's no coincidence that silent and listen have exactly the same letters. And if you just pause long enough, they'll get their moment of insight and they'll get the next 125 words out. Now, I'm Oscar Trimboli and I'm on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. And you have given me the greatest gift of all today. You've listened to me. Thanks for listening. And Joe, let's throw it crazy open for any questions.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Oscar. Thank you so so much. Um, uh, uh, you know, there's some really really lovely comments coming through already, uh, <laughs> ranging from "Wow, mind blown" to "I love Oscar's energy" to "A masterclass in running a webinar," uh, a great listener and a fabulous speaker. Uh, I'm sure we could continue here. Um, yeah,
1: but what about the Q&A? How yeah, much time have we got left, by we, the way? We've got
0: we've got three, four minutes left, so it's so okay. us uh, get a, a few of these. So Shall we
1: get some voting going on with the yeah. questions that are in there? Yeah. Why don't so we go and vote there?
0: The Q&A feature is open, folks. Uh, do give a thumbs up to the questions that you want answered. Um, there's already a couple which have uh, quite a decent amount of thumbs up already, so I'll, I'll start with those there, Oscar. Uh, okay. And and the first one is, have your listening villains changed over time? Uh, Can villains be different based on your social setting?
1: Yes, that's what we talked about. Listening is contextual, it's relational. So you will show up differently. Your villains will show up differently in different contexts. So if you're having a one-on-one with your boss, your manager, your owner, your bank manager, you're going to listen very differently than if you were, I'm going to use a really bad example now, but in the pub. Or if you go and visit a doctor, you'll listen very differently. Hey, doctor, which uh, version of the COVID vaccine should I be getting right now? You're going to be paying a lot of attention to that conversation as opposed to a conversation about um, PPC. I'm sure you said that earlier on about (laughs) our wonderful sponsor from Norwich. I'm sure I'm too small a client for you, but if I'm not, I'm trying to reach 100 million deep listeners in the world, and I can't do it all with PPC. But can I do it with some fancy SEO as well? <laughs> Six foot seven, your school friend was.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, Aaron, shout out to Aaron from Impression. Uh, I, if yeah. I said much, I meant I meant Nottingham. So, uh, and, ah, okay. Uh, but in either case, I'm sure you uh, you probably listened better than I spoke. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but we'll go to the next question just to make sure that we get a few in. Mm. Uh, so. In fact, we've already answered that one. So, sorry, I'm I'm reading and speaking at the same time. So that's probably not a a good place to be in. Um, So we'll go with a question from Jemima here. So Jemima asks, uh, how do you find listening helps increase productivity?
1: Mm, I love this question. Hey, Jemima, have you ever been in a work in progress meeting week after week after week where people turn up and say, oh, yeah, I've got that task done. And somebody says, yeah, but that isn't the task I asked you to complete. Mm -hmm. How listening improves productivity is projects finish on time, but more importantly, they finish with in the scope you actually wanted. When projects finish on time because you listen to them, the stakeholders actually take the change on quicker. It improves productivity because employees stay with the organization longer because they feel heard. It improves productivity and profitability because customers stay longer because they feel heard. I'm, all, I'm sure we've all left organizations that we didn't feel listened to us as customers. And when it comes to profitability, one of the big areas of profit decline, if your agency side, I'm sure none of you have ever written off any work in progress on behalf of a client because you didn't listen to the brief effectively. And when you're working with internal clients as a marketing organization, if you don't listen to the client brief, you're going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Not only will they be frustrated, but you'll be frustrated as well. One of the things I encourage agencies to do, if there's one thing I would say from a listening perspective is teach a client how to give you a brief, actually have that as an offering and sell that to your client. Don't just take the brief for free, teach them how to give you an effective brief as well. So when it comes to listening, the cost of not listening, particularly through the lens of productivity, is huge. And one of the things, Jamama, is we know that people who do the 90-day challenge off the back of the listening quiz, if they keep going for 90 days and do those three things, switch off your notifications, drink water every half an hour, three deep breaths, you get four hours a week on average back in your schedule. Some people have got back a full day, but on average, people get back four hours a week back in their schedule by applying the very basic principles of the listening beyond the words. Now, Joe, I have no time constraints. Some of you might. So you might want to formally call time, but I'm happy to continue. Are you sure?
0: Well, thank you very much, Oscar. That's really, really appreciated. Um, I, there's, there's some fabulous questions here. So we'll definitely take them if, if uh, that's all right with yeah. you. Um, so we've got a great question here from Ilian uh, who asks, has social media ruined listening? Uh, everyone believes they're entitled to sharing their opinion and they're either agreeing or disagreeing. How can we return to listening and having a dialogue instead of always taking a side
1: and being in constant division? Mm. If we were face to face, I'd ask you to clarify the question. So forgive me, I'm going to guess here at the intent of the question. Uh, The social media platforms are incented to pull apart, not bring together. So once you understand the core motivation of the social media platform is to amplify biases, to create red versus blue, one versus two, that by definition is not a listening environment. Worse still, you start to listen to people only with the same opinion as you. So my question to you is, and my prescription to everybody is, every Sunday for two hours, because I'm a crazy guy, I listen to podcasts and radio shows that I fiercely disagree with, because listening is the willingness to have your mind changed. So I'm not saying listening is changing your mind. It's the willingness to have your mind changed. Now, I've listened to some amazingly creative conspiracy theories through this process. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I've learned about, man landing on the moon and all kinds of things like that blew my mind, but I'm willing to listen to people. So one of the things I do deliberately with social media is I make sure I follow people I fiercely disagree with. So I don't get a stream of just one kind of social media commentary and you need to do the same as well. The more diversified your social media feed is the more you're going to mess up their algorithm because the algorithm makes some base assumptions that you're not in control. Use the technology, don't let the technology use you. So when it comes to social media, ironically, Donald Trump was an amazing listener when it came to using social media. Their team and the way they aggregated themes back off the tweets he made was world class. And for most of you on this call right now, your head's exploding going, Oscar, why are you even listening to Donald Trump? Because I'm willing to have my mind changed, it doesn't mean I have to agree with them. For many of us, please add some people you disagree with into your social media feed and that'll help you. If that hasn't answered your question, please amplify in the Q&A box.
0: I think that's, that seems like a really practical approach to it. And I really appreciate that as well. And um, I think a lot of us can learn from that. Um, there's a lovely question here from, from Jess. Uh, and Jess asks, how can you differentiate times when someone wants your input and when they just want you to listen? What cues can I look out for or questions can I ask uh, to, uh, to almost get permission to give my input or advice? I'm definitely a problem solver rather than a listener.
1: Yeah. So Jess, uh, this is how I preface any conversation when I'm not sure of the context. What would make this a great conversation for you? That's a great question you could ask. If you want to ask that as a neutral question, what would make that? What would make this a great conversation? Because the for you implies a bias there that the value is only for them. Mm -hmm. So, just the question you want to ask as early as possible what would make this a great conversation? And use that as a guide about every 10 to 15 minutes to come back and do a mental check. How are we going against that? so one of the one of the flip sides of that question is imagine it's a half an hour meeting you ask that question at the 10 minute mark i would ask hey jess earlier on you mentioned xyz we've got about 10 more minutes to go how would you like to use the time remaining Mm -hmm. so in that regard you are both co-creating what will be effective for you So for a lot of people, uh, I was working with a client about five weeks ago, huge, big intergalactic treasurer. They run hundreds of billions of dollars through their platform, big, big financial services organisation. I asked the question, the treasurer, she said to me, Oscar, I'm going to vomit all over you for the next 20 minutes. (laughs) And she she vomited for 29 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was a 90-minute meeting. And she said to me, that's great. I've solved it. And we hung up. Amazing. And and all all she wanted to do was expose her own thinking to the outside world. The brain with a problem is often the brain with a solution. So sometimes just put on that hazmat suit Hmm. and make sure that uh, you can take it off and they vomit all over you. Dramatic listeners, unfortunately, when people vomit all over you, you want to take it on and make it your own. Mm-hmm. so Jess, that question what will make this a great conversation i love that
0: we'll probably we'll make this the last question oscar because um, um it's, a, it's a great follow-up from jess again uh, and jess asks uh in addition to this what's a good grown-up way to let someone else know that although they seem to be hearing you you don't feel listened to without stamping your feet like a three-year-old and saying you're not listening <laughs>
1: Are they overtly not listening? Are they distracted, Jess? Or is it that they're not listening to the content, but they are paying attention? I'd love you to put in the chat which one of those two you're talking about.
0: Go for it, Jess. So Jess did say to the previous one, so they're paying attention, but not listening to the content.
1: Okay. So Jess, here's here's that move that we talked about earlier on. As the speaker, when somebody's not listening to you, Here's what you do. They mightn't be making eye contact with you, but you make eye contact with them and you do the following. Now be careful. This is a power move. This is a, a move from uh, Yoda. Is it, Here it is, right? You ready for this one? So you look at them straight in the eye and you go. And eventually their eyes make contact with you and you say, now a good time to have this conversation and stop now what will happen is a couple of things so i did that with a client once and she said yeah it's a terrible time i've just got a text from my son my mother-in-law's fallen over broken her hip and the ambulance is at her house we have to stop this meeting so i wasn't in judgment i just said it's now a good time she said no and for some people, they got a lot of stuff going on that you have no idea what's going on in their life. Four years ago, I remember saying that to somebody who looked like they were pretty distracted. And they said, Look, just something reminded me of my cancer diagnosis from three years ago. And although I'm completely on the other side of it, can we? I just want to go and grab a glass of water because. I just need a moment they weren't available because they were processing something else that was internal to them now here's the response you'll get from most people though Jess. no 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 go ahead now's a good time now's a good time yeah please continue now's a good time and they're in their phone or whatever they're doing next and again just use the same technique again because what you want to do, if you've asked that question, remember the question at the beginning, Jess, what will make this a great conversation? Just go back. When you make that eye contact, hey, earlier on you said this would make a great conversation. Is that still the case? And they might say, no, yes, whatever. Just use that as the compass setting for the rest of the conversation. I hope that's helpful. But for many of us, it takes a lot of courage to just pause and look at them in the eye and say, "Is now a good time?" And in most cases, that's all you need to do to reset their attention. But in a minority of cases, they will just be distracted, and you should stamp your feet, Jess.
0: <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Oscar. That was that was that was really special. That was really really special. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, Jess, actually, in response to that says, so helpful. Thank you. I always feel a bit passive aggressive waiting for someone's attention, but you make it seem so much better. So thank you. So, uh, Jess, Jess has given validation to answer there as well, for sure. So thank you. Um, Oscar, we're going to call it there. Um, not that we can continue forever, but, um, you know, we, we, we
1: can come back another time we can keep going or we can answer some of the questions offline if people want that as well we can absolutely
0: i'd absolutely love that oscar i'd love to have you back and and likewise I'll, i'll make sure to copy and paste all the questions so so we have them as well um so oscar thank you so much for spending the time today um honestly it's been phenomenal um moving uh, intelligent. Uh Gary says one of the best marketing meetup sessions ever. Uh so <laughs> just just so much love hey
1: gary uh, if you've got any tips for me as a marketer how to get to 100 million faster um <laughs> you know because i can't retire till i get to 100 million i'm only at 2.8 so help me out
0: <laughs> well you know what i mean like that's a challenge for everyone left watching right now um if we can think about how we can get oscar to his 100 million then then I, i'd love to be part of that journey as well because it feels important and special uh so thank you for doing what you're doing as well my friend it's it's um you do it with an expertise, but also um, quite clearly looking to make a change, which is really quite inspirational. So, so thank you for that. Uh, Lynn says challenge accepted. So I think we've got uh, a few people in the case here for you, Oscar. Um, With that, I I just want to say thank you, Oscar. And thank you everyone for taking the time to watch today. Uh, What a phenomenal way to kick off season four. Um, Honestly, uh, just brilliant. Um, So thank you all. Do sign up for the 90 day challenge as well and take the quiz. Uh, I'll distribute that in the follow up email as well. And finally, from me, uh, please make sure to share how amazing the session was because that's how we get to know more people get to find out about the marketing meetup. And also, um, please do take the moment to say thank you to Aaron from impression and the rest of our sponsors as well for enabling us to do what we're doing. So. What a phenomenal way to start Tuesday. Uh, What a phenomenal way, hopefully, for you to end Tuesday, Oscar. Thank you for that as well. And uh, everyone, take care of yourselves and uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you next week. Uh, Take care.